All right. Hi, everyone. We have another guest here today. And could you just go back over kind of your background in dentistry and what you're really passionate about? Well, my name is Chris Duvall, and I am a hygienist of uh, many years experience. And I have practiced um, pretty much all the time through uh, my experience. I did retire clinically a few years ago, but I still write and coach and teach on um, better ways to take care of our patients. And so uh, in 2000, I basically burned out. I thought it was burnout, but in reality, it was moral injury. Have you heard of the term moral injury? I've heard of it. Thankfully, not too familiar with it myself yet, but I've heard yeah. of it. Well, um, sometimes it happens quickly um, after you get out of school, and other times it can take years to develop. But it really is, burnout is about the person, or they make it seem like about the person. Um you know, we can't tolerate working in a busy practice or we don't tolerate working well with others or whatever it is that um, they make it about the person and they say, oh, you just need to go to a yoga retreat or take some time off. But really, I think what happens is, is that you um, come to realize that the things that you value and that you want for your patients and yourself, it is um, hard to um, realize those things during due to different constraints constraints in the practice and with insurance companies. And so um, just kind of be aware of how things are going. But I think the first thing um, that you wanna do when you are coming out of your practice is determine who you're gonna be. Both, both for yourself and for your patients, because who you're gonna be drives what you do for your patients. So in my case, uh, after I kind of had my meltdown in dentistry, I decided I was gonna become a lifeguard for my patients because I overlook a pool of patients. And you can, um, when you're in relationship with patients, you can talk about anything. So when you see things going on in patients' lives or different risk factors, you can easily talk about those. So um, yeah, finding out who you want to be for your patients and, and how you're going to develop your philosophy of care is really important as you come out of dental school. I have a son that is a dentist, so I know he went through a lot of these same challenges when he was getting ready to make his decisions of what he was going to do. So when we're coming into a practice, I can already see how valuable the hygienist's role is, especially like you're saying that patient rapport and they oftentimes trust the hygienist more than the dentist. So how can we as new dentists in a practice kind of build on that rapport that the hygienist has in a way that's respectful of the patient and the hygienist and help with, I guess, treatment plan acceptance or talking about these conditions that we might be seeing. Wow. That's the whole crux of it, isn't it? Yep. 
Um, well, I think uh, the important thing is to, um, first of all, let your, the hygienist that you're working with, whether it's in your own practice or in an associateship, let them know that you're willing to play on their team. And as you come into the practice, it's not that you come in there um, ready to change everything that they're doing, but um, just build value for what they're doing for the patients that, that you co-see. And um, yeah, just realize you're part of this team and you're all here for the same purpose. And, and be willing to learn from the hygienist that's in your practice. Uh, lots of times they have a lot of experience and understanding and knowledge and relationships with the patients. They can help uh, you as a dentist foster that relationship and, and teach you how to build relationships with patients too. So it's important. So you mentioned discussing with them, like what advice do you have for me in terms of building relationships with the patients here? Are there any other conversations that we could have with the hygienist before there's even a patient in the chair? I think uh, just again, letting her know that uh, you're there to learn from her as well, because you can't walk out of dental school knowing all there is to know about actual patient care. And uh, ask her what her primary uh, focus is when she sees a patient and uh, learn from her as to what she's doing, how she does it. And when you come from that uh, approach, there will probably be things come up that maybe in the form of conversations that the two of you may find out that there may be a better way to do that now. So um, just be open and willing to learn and be there to help her make her job easier and um, make things better for the patient. I mean, that's what we're all focused on truly is uh, the health and wellness of the, of the patient. So since you made that shift, you said almost 20 years ago to being more proactive and really looking out for different risk factors in your patients more than you even did before with that like lifeguard role. Can you tell us about how that changed what your day-to-day -day career looked like and the, I guess, reward that you got back from that? Well, what it did for me was I... I made that decision that I was not going to just repair the damage anymore that I saw with patients. What I was going to do is I was going to prepare them for health in everything that I did. So there were three factors that I shifted from the repair side over to the prepare side. And that was my mindset and how I thought about patients and who I was going to be for them because I chose to be like I said, a lifeguard, someone who could guard and guide the health and wellness of the patient. Uh, I shifted from being somebody that was just there to remove calculus from their teeth to a lifeguard that was going to help prepare them for a better tomorrow. So the second thing was in my messaging, I shift communication. To me, communication is like one one script fits all 
And I personalized that according to what my patient wanted for themselves. And so I made him a message, created a message for them and a framework of, of verbiage that um, would focus on what that patient wanted for themselves. Because you see, every patient uh, wants something for themselves. And our role and what's important for us to do is to ask them a, the most number one important question in my, of my opinion that I could ever begin to ask a patient. And you might as well take a three inch piece of duct tape and put it over my mouth if I don't know the answer to this question. And the question is, tell me about what you want for yourself. Because patients buy what they want, don't they? And so it's like, have you ever gone into say, buy a car and the, the car salesman comes out and says, without even asking you anything, I wanna show you this car over here. This is a perfect car for you. You need to invest in this car. Well, that's not what I want. So you have to go back and really find out what your patient wants for themselves. It can be a lot of different things. And you also have to find out what it is that your patient needs to, in order to give themselves permission to do what you've recommended that they do. So, so your messaging is very, very important. Make it personal, practical, and create a message that has stickiness that they won't forget. And then the third thing is your clinical habits. So the emerging science is showing us that we need to be taking better care of our patients, doing that by um, making sure that there's a match between the science and our protocols. Right now, there's a huge mismatch between the two. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's more to just coming in and having your teeth cleaned every few months to keeping your mouth and your body healthy. So uh, we got to update your uh, clinical habits and your protocols to make sure they're in alignment with the science. What advice would you have for either a patient that is new to the office and they'd been out of dental care for a while or they're new to the office and they've been seeing another dentist like their whole life? And because dentists have so many different treatment philosophies, as we're saying, more <laughs> proactive versus reactive, and you look and you see so many things that you would like to address, but it's their first time seeing you. So how do you balance that conversation of not information overload or seeming like you're just trying to like sell them on things? Is it going back to what you said of like, why are you here? Why did you switch Dennis? Like, what are you hoping to get out of this? Is it those kind of conversations or is there something Ab else? Absolutely. You got to... Uh, listen to the patient's story. And oftentimes um, there's things that the patient didn't feel were addressed. I mean, they're shifting to your practice for some reason. And that's important. You're right. It's important to find, to find out. And also um, give them what they want. Like if a patient comes in and, and says, I just shifted because, um, and I'm here today just to get my teeth clean. Great. Have a seat. Let's take a look, find out what's going on. And um, 
when you be sure and ask that question, tell me about what you want for yourself very early into your appointment, that's going to guide um, what you talk about. And it's also going to guide what you do. So in my case, what I would do was I would find out what the person wanted for themselves. And then I'd do my evaluation to see what their perio health is and their cavity status, and then their general health and wellness status. And if somebody told me, well, I want to be healthy. Well, how healthy do you want to be? I'll do anything you tell me to do. So all you have to do at that point is because you know what they want for themselves and you've evaluated all the parameters with your, um, you know, finding out what their different status is and where they want to be. And all you have to do is step into that game because you know how to get them from point A to point B. So you just step into that gap and make recommendations because you've told me you want to be healthy as healthy as you can get, here's what I'm gonna recommend for you today. In addition to cleaning your teeth, I'm gonna recommend we do X. So just give them the opportunity to focus and frame all your conversation around what it is they want for themselves. I mean, it's the same treatment that if you had just hadn't asked that question, but your patient is going to be much more open to accepting your recommendations if you do it in that frame. That's great advice. And I know for questions about dental school, it's been a while, but I know you mentioned your son was as a dentist as well. So us as dental students, we have really long appointments. We don't see as many patients in a day compared to once we shift into working in a real office, it's a lot faster paced and We've never done hygiene checks before as students. You just have your patient, you do their entire treatment start to finish. So how can we prepare, if at all, during dental school for that transition into a real office? Well, I think that one of the things, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, is make some agreements because your hygienist is going to be the one that's going to be coming to you most often and interrupting whatever procedures you're doing. And so um, I think that at least for me, I would develop a great way to, um, well, let me back up. Ask the dentist that you're gonna be working with. I mean, as a hygienist, what I would do is ask the dentist I'm gonna be working with, how do you, want me to best tell you that I'm ready for an exam? Do you want a lot of time, a lot of notice? Or do you just want me to tell you right when I'm ready? Uh, what is going to work best for you so that you don't get a frustration every time the hygienist comes and says, I'm ready now when you wanted much more time to, um, because you have to develop and figure out some ways of how to tell your patient that you're going to be right back. And so it often works well if if you can delegate something to your assistant to do while you're gone so that'll help keep moving your process forward instead of everything just coming to a big halt while you're in there. 
Yes, or other conversations to have with the hygienist once you start on a new team. Like, what's our system going to be? What's going to be most effective? Yes, yes. And, you know, from my perspective, it always works so much better and it'll be a better outcome. You'll have more engagement. If you ask that question, tell me about what you want for yourself. And then I always reminded my doctor, no matter how many times they'd see, uh, had seen the patient, I'd always start with doctor, um, Sarah here today is most concerned about her overall health and wellness. And so because of that, here's what I've recommended for her today. And we'd just like your confirmation and, and also to see what you think of what she wants. So just develop ways to um, communicate with each other and include the patient in there. But that doesn't happen overnight. But mm -hmm. the more you sit down and, and talk about it and make agreements, you know, one of the first mistakes I made when I started, when I went back to hygiene after I quit 20 some years ago, I um, would go to my dentist and I would say, oh my gosh, you should see this patient's teeth. She really needs you to and do a complete overhaul rehab of her mouth. And he goes, well, that's nice you think that. Tell me about what the patient wants. Because we can have all kinds of grandiose ideas about what we think they need, but you always have to go back to what does that patient want for themselves. So it's really important. And oftentimes they're the same things as what you think they need but you just have to approach it in a very different way. So that it comes across to the patient, it's part of what they want. They'll get their results. Yeah, that's great advice. And we've talked kind of a few overarching messages today, but are there any other final advice that you want to get out to listeners or like a take-home message? Um, yes, there is. And especially in the world right now of um, the lack of hygienists and what some doctors will do just to keep a hygienist sitting in the chair. And I heard something that really made sense to me. And it was a question that um, this guy asked, and it didn't have to do with dentistry, but this soul fits into dentistry. Uh, and he needed to know the answer to this question. And I think this is so telling. He would ask them, what of these four things is most important to you? Money, and this is in relationship to a job, say as a hygienist that you're interviewing for a job. What's most important to you? Money, accolades and recognition, growth, or relationships? And there's only one answer, and that is growth. Because if you're focused on growth, being in that place where you can be better and do, do better and do more for your patients, um, the rest of them will follow. So, and for you guys, 
when you're getting out of school, I mean, that's when your growth zone really takes off. There's a lot of growing you have to do. I mean, I've been in dentistry 50 some years and I'm still growing every day. And so be focused, not only for yourself, but for um, your team members that you'll be working with, that, hey, we're all here to grow, to get better and do better for our patients. So be focused on growth. Thank you for that. And if people have follow-up questions for you about anything, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, they can email me at Chris, C-R-I-S, at the life, the lifeguardapproach.com. Perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. You are so welcome. It's nice talking to you today, Haley.